can't do it. We'll do it live. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Giants fans, welcome to Big Blue All Year, the podcast that brings you New York football Giants content all year long. While well, your host totes at the line between podcast professionals and a bunch of fanatics talking shit at the end of the bar. Tonight's episode of Big Blue All Year is not brought to you by anyone. Insert sponsor here. Don't forget to follow on Twitter at Big Blue All Year and rate and subscribe wherever podcasts are found. Adult content ahead, because, you know, we're doing it live. Giants fans, we are rolling into week three, and the Giants are looking to avoid going 0-3. The boys have talked me off the ledge, and maybe sobering up helped, too. Not willing to admit that just yet. But I'm not nearly as depressed as I was Sunday in our post-game reactions. And man, oh, man. Am I already excited for Giants' Sunday matchup against the San Francisco 49ers? But before we start, we got a whole heck of a lot of headlines to get through. So for that, we get into a segment that lets my distinguished partners stick on a headline to talk about or kick it to the next one. So, big... Here. Disciple. What's up? Answer me that age-old playground taunt. Are you kicking it, or are you sticking it? First up, Saquon Barkley underwent an MRI of his right knee on Monday morning, confirming what we all feared, a torn ACL. Barkley will undergo surgery to repair the injury as soon as possible. (sighs) Yeah. It's time for the disciple to stick this one. I knew right when he went down, he started. If you notice, he started hammering the ground. I could just tell the will, the work, everything that he had put into this offseason and this year had just come tumbling down right before our eyes. It sucks. Saquon, we wish you the best. Love you. Can't wait to see, to see you come back player of the year 2021. He stuck the landing. At least six players suffered ACL tears in week two. Saquon Barkley, obviously. Broncos wide receiver Cortland Sutton. 49ers defensive ends Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas. Ravens cornerback Tavon Young and Seahawks linebacker Bruce Irvin. Honestly, kind of alarming for the NFL to lose all these stars in week two uh, of this 2020 season. We hate to see it. Hopefully these guys come back stronger than ever next year. But can we kick it, Chauvin? Can I kick it? Yes, you can. Sterling Shepard, Giants wide receiver, dealing with a case of turf toe after exiting in the second quarter of Sunday's loss against the Bears. Yeah, you know, the first game ever, Daniel Jones has his uh, full complement of weapons. Uh, Two end up going down. Giants offense just cannot catch a break. Gotta kick it. Kick it. Yes, In the wake of Saquon Barkley's season-ending knee injury, the Giants are on the prowl for reinforcements. And tonight, Big Blue officially signs former Falcon Devontae Freeman to a one-year, $3 million deal. Burger's going to stick it. Uh, Devontae Freeman, uh, 28 years old, two-time Pro Bowler. He had some good days on the Falcons, but... This guy's had no training camp for offseason. What kind of shape is he even in? 
Um, he's coming off his worst season, averaging 3.6 yards a carry last year with the Falcons. Uh, and he missed most of 2018 with a groin injury. So, honestly, he's a huge question mark. I was hoping they'd probably bring in someone younger. Um, I don't really see how this is going to help this offense moving forward. Um, I'd honestly rather see Wayne Gallman get the carries over him. So, yeah, that's my take. He stuck the landing. NFL field operations to take a look at MetLife Stadium's turf after a slew of injuries to the 49ers and complaints from head coach Kyle Shanahan after their week two win against the New York Jets. I'm going to have to kick this one. Uh, the NFL uh, said that the field was up to date, all good to go. Joe Judge said it was played on almost every day in the offseason. Nothing to worry about. It's a non-story. Kick it. Can I kick it? That does it for the week's headlines. And now, a word from our non-sponsors. Oh, hey there. Come on in. Are you feeling all right? If not, don't you worry about a thing. Because tonight's episode of Big Blue All Year is not... Brought to you by Mara and Tish Counseling Services. If you're standing at the edge of a cliff thinking, Why, God, why have you forsaken me and left me to torment with this disease and this giant's fandom? Well, your God may have left you, but Mara and Tish won't. Sit down and let their team of experts evaluate you and prescribe you Zoloft. Shh, it'll be okay, baby. After all, you could be a Jets fan. Marin Tish Counseling Services, helping ease your Sunday scaries since 1925. And now, back to the show. Uh-oh, Big Blue all year. You know what that means. When the cannons fire, it's time to look towards the night sky and pay tribute to this week's Fallen Warriors. So, Big Mac, we're going to get into the Giants' injuries in more depth later. But since the 49ers have so many players banged up, why don't you give us some context ahead of this matchup breakdown? So for that, let's play a little why they will or why they won't. Easy ones first. Starting defensive ends Solomon Thomas and Nick Bosa both suffer ACL injuries last week. ACL injuries are season-ending inju injuries. They're also career-threatening injuries. There's no chance they will be playing. Sticking with the knees, this one's our MCLs. Running back Raheem Mostar listed as doubtful. George Kittle missed last game with an MCL injury listed as questionable. And second back, Tevin Coleman, listed with a generic knee sprain, but also as doubtful. Knee sprain is just a terrible description. You don't know what it is, what ligament, what degree, so there's no guessing what, what and when he will come back. The other two, the same thing. When you talk about MCL, not as significant as ACL, but it depends on if it's a, a first degree, second or third degree sprain. So don't know about those guys. Now, if they were to play with an MCL injury, what would that tell you? that they have recovered or that the sprain was a, just a first-degree sprain in which just a few fibers were torn. This one actually recently looks like D. Ford has been downgraded to officially out. Outside linebacker slash DN has been suffering with back spasms. 
Again, that's a wastebasket term for injury to the back. You don't know whether it's a disc injury or just that, a muscle spasm. Usually muscle spasm is a result of some deep inner injury. Starting corner, cornerback Jason Verrett listed as questionable also with a hamstring injury. Depends on how long he's had it. Uh, again, uh, starting, stopping, uh, it's very difficult for a defensive back to play with a hamstring injury. And lastly, the big one, Jimmy Garoppolo with the high ankle sprain. I feel like every year you see this injury and some people come back in days. Some are gone for multiple weeks, officially listed as questionable. Why would we see Jimmy G out there this weekend and why wouldn't we? I doubt if you will see him because there's five ligaments on the outside of the ankle, usually when they include the high uh, ligament sprain, it's the upper injury between the tib and the fib, and generally you're not going to be playing for four to six weeks. And as the position of a quarterback, you might think, you know, they might not move as much as some of these other quick-twitch athletes, but why would a quarterback miss time with an ankle injury? He still has to be mobile. He still has to get away from the center. He still has to plan his back foot and throw. Well, for those of you keeping score, it is possible that the San Francisco 49ers are missing their starting quarterback, tight end, and top two running backs on offense. And then on defense, three starting defensive end slash linebackers and two starting cornerbacks, as Richard Sherman, who we didn't even mention, is on IR until week five. Fellas, I would never celebrate injuries. But if we're talking strictly from a football perspective, tell me what you think this means for the Giants' offense's matchup against what we thought preseason was the best defense in the NFL. They're down Richard Sherman. They're down Nick Bosa. They're down D. Ford and Solomon Thomas. So, like you said, we thought we are going to be facing the best defense potentially, or at least a top three defense to start the season. Uh, with the 49ers here in week three. And I think we're catching a huge break. I don't see how the Giants offense can't take advantage of this. You know, they, they've they shown stints of it in both games so far where the offense has clicked. And then we've had these moments where we just have complete lapses and we have turnovers that are drive and momentum killers that have not led to this team propelling to a victory. So I think what we're looking for here is, is Danny Jones take advantage of an injury riddled team and secure a W for the boys. You know what I mean? Uh, decide, but what do you think? You know, looking at this list of injuries, obviously there are some, you know, matchups that we would have liked to see, but we're not going to see, but I do think the 49ers are a very deep team. And I do think they're going to still give us a hell of a game maybe even win the game without all these cast of players just because they are so good, you know, in the draft or whatever. I feel like John Lynch is always winning a GM somehow. I mean, they beat the shit out of the Jets, and they were literally dying on the field while it was happening. So, I mean, we would like to think – you hear people talk about it, especially our friends that are Jets fans, be like – Look, there is no optimism after two weeks, whereas despite my take on Sunday, there are reasons to be optimistic with the potential of this team, even in an 0-2 start. Uh, but still remains 
this is a team that knows how to win, is deep, and got it done on Sunday. Are we really overly optimistic that all of this is going to mean that we match up better against their defense? Like, obviously, we match up better when they're missing you know, multiple amazing starters. But to Disciples' point, does that give us optimism that this is a matchup that is now swinging in our favor? You know, I'm really not sure. I mean, I obviously – it, the the odds have gone down quite a bit uh, by at least two or three points by the Vegas line. Shama can check me on that. So I do it was, would expect a little bit of a closer game, but yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see, especially how the offensive scheme is drawn up with the absence of Saquon Barkley. Now, so let me let me figure. Uh, so let's let's talk about the players who are going to be replacing. Nick Bosa and we'll say Solomon Thomas right now. So Solomon Thomas was their interior D lineman. Step in Javon Kinlaw. He was their rookie of the season, 14th overall pick out of South Carolina. Uh, apparently he's an incredible prospect. Uh, unlimited upside is what they're saying. Uh, he's still a little raw, but he's shown a lot of promise through two games. Um, the Niners are expecting him to disrupt the Giants interior D line with him. And they just signed Ezekiel Ansa, uh, I believe yesterday to fill in for Nick Bosa, who is a good veteran from the Lions. Uh, he was the number five overall pick uh, in 2013. So he's has, uh, I wrote down, he has, who, how many sacks? He's had 48 sacks in six seasons. So he knows how to get to the quarterback. Just an, another good player they brought in. So it won't be as easy, you know, like Nick Bosa's freaking all world. And D4, thank God he's not playing. Or I believe he's still uh, questionable. Is that right, Matt? I think as of today and per Big Mac's analysis on his back spasms, I believe he's officially listed as out. Uh, maybe it's doubtful, but based on the things that I have read, I, I think he's a non-factor for this Sunday's matchup. Okay. Well, just saying that, like those two being out, like that's comparable to Bud Dupree and TJ Watt right there. You actually, that's exactly what I was going to lead into because I, I have some mixed feelings on this, but I'll posit this question to the two of you. You know, week one, had I told you the Steelers defense was going to be without Bud Dupree, without TJ Watt, without Cameron Hayward, and without Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson, would we have walked into that game with some optimism? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, those those two guys, uh, Watt and Dupree alone, pretty much broke the game for the Giants. Like, you know, in a bad so, way. So did Hayward, man. Hayward had an interception. He was causing that mayhem in the middle. Like we couldn't run the ball. He had six yards that week. That's sad, Beth. Well, yeah, like you said, I, I think it's comparable. Obviously, kind of different players, but they're still disruptive forces on the end on the edges, which Giants have had difficulty with. Our offensive line's still been shaky. And as our pass blocking has been better, our run blocking has been dog shit. The offense as a whole right now is anemic. And I I know we always use that word, but it really is. It's ranked 29th in yards per game. Not where you want to be. Obviously. Okay. So then let's, let's target the the backup corners now. Cause Richard Sherman, as Big Mac said, you know, he's already on IR. He's out till week five, so there's no chance he's playing. And then they also have Jason Barrett. Um, he's a veteran. Uh, he came over, I believe, last season from the Chargers. He was a first-round pick, but he's only played in 26 of 96 games. He's got a hamstring injury. He's questionable to play. 
So behind him, you have Akello Witherspoon and Emmanuel Mosley. One of <laughs> Witherspoon's a third rounder who has been up and down. He actually was benched in the playoffs last year over Mosley, who is undrafted out of Tennessee, and uh, he actually played uh, all the postseason. He had 14 tackles, four pass defended, and interception against Aaron Rodgers in the AFC Championship game. So they're kind of deep, regardless, considering That's they've lost saying. their one and two corners. So if I thought that would be a matchup where we could win, I, I think it's better without Richard Sherman on the field 100%. But I, we also just lost Sterling Shepard, who I don't think is going to be playing. No. Yeah, I was going to say, before we flip it to the offense, um, the or excuse me, to our defense matching up to their offense, let's take the other side of the coin here. I will say, Berger, I'm not – Ziggy Ansah doesn't bother me. A, who's to say what shape he's in? He just got picked up off the street. Yeah, he's got pedigree, but let's face it. If this guy had anything left in the tank, there would have been a, a contender for the playoffs that had already picked him up everybody's looking for pass rush skills, even a rotational guy. Um, so I, I'm not worried about him coming in and, and making any plays. If he does, then the shame on us more so than pro to him, in, in my opinion. But hmm. let's look down this depth chart, and there's a lot of guys that I don't know, but hell, there's a lot of guys that would be starters and vast improvements than what the Giants got. I mean, Fred Warner, by all accounts, is gonna is just a phenomenal player at middle uh, middle linebacker. Quan Alexander has always been a decent player if he could stay healthy. Nothing to be scared of, but a solid linebacker nonetheless. Jimmy Ward is a phenomenal free safety. Uh, Jaquiski, uh, I probably pronounced that wrong. Jaquiski Tart. Um, if I'm not mistaken, is a pretty hard hitter at that si uh, strong safety position. And Eric Armstead is a high draft pick um, at the D line. So talk about depth. Like, yeah, you're talking about some of these other guys coming in in the secondary that I think are no pushovers. You know, you would hope that our starters or what's left of our starters can win matchups against third and fourth stringers on a team, but they're the number one overall defense uh, last year for a reason. I just threw that stat out there. I could be totally wrong, but if you ever watched a 49ers game last year, you just know that they were winning. They were abusing teams with their talent. So Again, they're that good for a reason. They have the depth, and they're – I just don't think that this is a matchup we can all of a sudden look at. I mean, hell, how many teams out there can lose that many starters and we're still like, shit? Like, <laughs> Not very many. Yeah, uh, that's what the Jets were saying after they got blown away last week. I mean, we are one injury away from so many different positions from starting practice squad level players, and these dudes have – third round draft picks that are, are stepping into their, their void at positions. I think that just goes to show you that over years, when you draft in the trenches, I mean, how many years in a row did they use a first round draft pick on a defensive lineman? Um, so I think yeah, not only that, that is how that team is built and they traded away to Forrest Buckner. He was another, like, could you imagine if he was yeah. team right now too? It, oh man. It's ridiculous how much talent is on. The Dude, it's it's all about the just, continuity. Yeah. It's all about, they had the same general manager, He's been in there for what four years already, John Lynch. I think that's they've great. had Kyle Shanahan for three. About that higher too, to be honest. NFL Street mm -hmm. legend. Oh, great, great player. Oh man, but yeah, like you look how that team's built, man. I mean, they got they got all those cornerstone pieces. They got McGlinchey in the first round on the offensive line. You know what right, I mean? Dude, they I just did it right at a Notre Dame event. Super nice guy, really. Really, you know he's Matt Ryan's cousin. 
I did know that. We actually we talked about I, it I in, a, in a, a booster event. Um, wow. I, I really hope he plays like dog shit on Sunday, but he, he's, he's a genuine, fantastic guy, though. You really <laughs> is a genuinely nice guy. Great, great dude. Great dude. Wow. I didn't know. Give him a couple sacks. Great guy. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. He's a domer. Oh, yeah. Golden domer. Fuck you. But like, you're awesome. Respects. Uh, would you guys like to transition to the offensive side for the 49ers? Because they also have a slew of injuries there. True. All right. Well, quick takeaway. Do we think that this is still benefit to the 49ers defense? Do we think the Giants offense has the edge or is this a push? You got to go same sometimes. No, I think I, I really think honestly with all these injuries, I feel like the 49ers defense is still better than the bears. Ooh. ooh. I don't know why I'm saying that. I, I feel like the Giants <laughs> could, could, could come out like really flat on offense again. I hope they don't. Uh, I really hope they prove me wrong. But nothing I've seen in the, you know, we're talking not that, how many pass yards per game, how many just yards per game have they had? And I I just can't see that changing against a team like this. I mean, I think that's a ridiculous take to think that with all these injuries (laughs) that they're worse than the Bears who have, you know, guys like Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn and uh, the the other players that we discussed last week that are escaping me at the moment. But I'm not going to go far as to say that you're wrong in thinking that their defense still has the edge on us. I mean, they got a very solid, if not spectacular player at each level of the defense, and we are missing multiple offensive players. I mean – I guess we, we focused all on the, the San Francisco defense without talking about the Giants offensive matchup specifically. But I mean, you know, Golden Tate is solid, but is still coming back from a hamstring injury. Do we believe that he is a definite matchup plus against any of these guys? And until the Giants offensive line shows me that they can dominate a team, why would we possibly think that they could do that against a team that still has talent? So uh, yeah, I'm still going edge 49ers, all, albeit preseason. I thought this was a game that we were going to get. We might be lucky to score three points and put up 150 yards. I'm confident we can move the ball, but I'm not willing to say that we have a matchup uh, positive against this lineup. I don't know. Berger, what do you think? I'm going to go with the push. I, I hear both your sides. Both sides are hurt. We've lost two playmakers. They are riddled with some of their best players. And like you said, like, it's scary how they've lost at least four to five starters who are possible pro bowlers and are still dangerous uh, to some degree and can still make a ruckus at their defense. Uh, I'll, I'll just stay in the middle. I don't think there is an edge per se, but I'm, I'm hoping – the Giants' offense prevails. Oh, we're all hoping, baby. But I just—I know. Gotta, you I gotta call have, it like you I see hope, it, baby. I call it like I see it. That's it. Yeah, you got to go same sometimes. I know. And sometimes, uh, disciple, you're you're calling it because you're looking in the mirror and seeing the the both sides. You know, you I always see both the, sides, man. The, uh, all right, so Berg, it's your point. Let's transition and get into how are the Giants' defense matching up against the San Francisco offense and really even before the injuries if there was a reason to have any type of optimism about this matchup I would have said you know the 49ers offense gets it done but I think it's more scheme specific I think Shanahan is the guy that makes this go 
and they have a very solid offense. Like, we're going to get into it. But I think this is one of those scenarios that Shanahan is more important than the individual players on the field, especially when you're talking about the possibility of George Kittle not playing, or even if he does, being two weeks removed from an MCL injury. Regardless of the severity, that is still a sprain of a major ligament in your knee. I believe a couple of years ago, there was a game that Evan Ingram came back and it was very clear that that first week back, he was just a decoy. So I don't know. How, how are we feeling with or without Jimmy G? It, you know, Mostert's out, Coleman's out, as we discussed. I don't know. I, I tentatively, I'm saying the Giants D might have a slight edge here. I don't know. Ooh, that is an intriguing, intriguing setup. Ah, I mean, you you might be going up against Nick Mullins, the undrafted free agent out of Southern Miss, I believe. I think you're right there. You are, you are correct. Um, so I would say that's definitely a plus matchup for the Giants. Although they do have a very shitty all-time record versus backup quarterbacks for whatever reason, I do not know why. We beat Nick but, Mullins last time, though. No, yes, we did in the year 2018. Yes, Monday Night Football. Oh, yeah, I was watching. We all were. That was against, a, though. We, we made him look oh, pretty good, even though we won. He look, honestly, when he was called to action, like, he did not do a bad job at all. There's a reason why he's the second stringer and not the third stringer. Who do they, they oh, still have went, that? Uh, he went three and five, man. They he still have three, that five, beat hard games. guy. I believe it's pronounced Bethard, but. <laughs> Yeah. I always say He's beat hard because uh, yes, that's how it's spelled. You are quite the, the master debater. And well, I'm a cunning linguist. <laughs> I hear beat hard as a cunning oh. linguist. Oh. But we digress. All right. Yes, we digress. I mean, I would say the front seven, mm, I don't know. I even if it is Jimmy G, I mean, how much is he going to be able to move? Because he seems like he really wants to play, and they're leaning towards him might be playing. It could be even be a game-time decision by the time Sunday rolls around. But even at that, I mean, Giants pass rush through two games is not that bad. Like, I think, what are they, like 10th or 11th in the league right now? I don't know the stats off the top of my head. Uh, I'm going to go a – I'm going to flip-flop like you, Disciple, and say reason for optimism. We had four sacks last week. I believe we had two uh-huh. week one. So we are already well beyond our pace for the last year and probably the last few years. Now, the flip side to that is I believe we only had five pressures against um, Trubitsky last year – or, excuse me, yeah, uh, last week. So – is that indicative of we got lucky or are, are we actually- we made the most of the opportunities? True. That's uh, a, That's certainly an optimist take. Cause how many times do you get pressures and hits? No sack, no nothing, but what's, Completed what's more pass. of a indicator of disrupting the quarterback. Would I like to see the giants making a quarterback flush out of the pocket and throw balls that he doesn't want to uh, and, and do that consistently throughout a game when we need to disrupt the most important position in football, or are the giants getting a couple of splashy plays that don't really have a, a correlation to the impact of the game. So I think that looking to this week, I don't really care how many sacks we get. I want to see us disrupting the San Francisco 49ers on a regular basis. And I'll tell you what, if Jimmy G does start, and, yeah, he's a competent quarterback. I don't think he's 
an elite guy. I'm not even sure if he's a Pro Bowl level guy. He's obviously a competent quarterback, though. You saw the difference that he made when uh, he was injured and then they came back and, and made this great run. But Ben Garland, Daniel Brunskill, those are the weak links and the Giants need to take advantage of our interior pass rush because I do not think Jimmy Garoppolo with a high ankle sprain is going to be able to escape us if we're able to apply that consistent pressure. Oh, if we're playing Madden, I want to see fire blitzes all day. There should be so much pressure if this man plays. Like, there should be constant blitzing. Hit him. He's not going to be able to move. He's going to be standing in the pocket because that ankle is probably taped up the wazoo. Like, there should be, Patrick Graham should be dialing it up. All right, Disciple, like you said, you know, Nick Mullins, 25 years old out of Southern Miss, undrafted. Uh, he started eight games when uh, Jimmy G went down with that torn ACL. He went three and five. Like, the guy's not a slouch. You know, he's a competent backup. He had 13 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, uh, over 2,000 yards throwing in those eight games. Um, and like you said, he lost to the Giants 27-23 to on that Monday night game. So, I think he's actually going to play over Jimmy G just because why would you risk um, – your star quarterback with a high ankle sprain, like Big Mac said, he's supposed to be out four to six weeks. Um, I think Nick Mullins can get it done with his competent weapons. That's why I think Jimmy G is such a good quarterback, just because of the system and scheme he's in. Uh, kind of like Ryan Tannehill's found such a good success right now in Tennessee. Uh, even though Raheem Mostert um, is going to be out and Tevin Coleman, apparently. He's still got Jarek McKinnon, who's no slouch, coming over from the Vikings. Uh, what do you guys think? Well, one comment on Jarek McKinnon is, look, obviously he had ma massive injuries. It's not like he was a superstar or anything like that. But, I mean, this dude is the third back on the depth chart for the 49ers. We've been talking about depth and John Lynch's roster building. I mean, how many teams can say that a talent like this is their third or fourth guy? And he played against the Jets, who are dog shit. Speaking no, wait, dog of shit. Giants, who are dog shit, but they're – they're dumpster dog shit. But y'all don't say that. Like, now they're <laughs> white dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the dog shit Brennan looks. How many more times can we fit? Oh, you know? <laughs> I got a belly full of white dog shit, and you're going to drop Jarek McKinnon on me right now? That <laughs> shit on me. He only had three carries, but he had 77 yards and a touchdown. It, it could have been one of those things, hey, everything was going wrong for the Jets, but the dude showed some explosion in those uh, takes that he got. So, again, as we're talking about the defense not just automatically being a plus matchup for the Giants, I can't look at Jarek McKinnon and be like, oh, we got, we got him no problem. Yeah, especially after the day that uh, – what's his name? Snell had versus us. Mm, true. Oh, so I was going to reference this. So we didn't even bring up Jeff Wilson Jr., who's another undrafted player that John Lynch fucking finds, you know, another diamond in the rough. Uh, but apparently Kyle Shanahan's, like, saying this is his next diamond in the rough. Literally, it was the quote he had. And uh, watch this motherfucker just, like, rip us a new one. Like, like Boston Scott against the Giants. Yeah, dude, <laughs> just these no names. Like, what the fuck? Well, again, talking but, yeah. about the – scheme and Shanahan over the individual players. So Kendrick Bourne, Trent Taylor, Dante Pettis, are any of these guys household names? No. Brandon Ayuk, first round draft pick, been hurt. Was he a first rounder? I believe he was a first rounder out of... Uh, I thought he was like a third rounder. Yeah, I thought... I, don't know. I, I remember know Kinlaw was a first rounder. Unless they had two first rounders. They might have. I thought they did. Oh, DeForest Buckner. That's why they had two. That 
he was the 25th overall pick in the draft out of Arizona State. Yeah, because that was their actual pick. Uh, Kinlaw was from the Colts. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for the for Buckner. The Buckner trade, right. Yeah. Um, the, so I, I said this last week about the idea that do these people scare you? And when I say that, Big Blue All Year, I'm talking about is this a top five player at a position that you absolutely need to scheme for? But, you know, shame on me. We locked down uh, Allen Robinson, and it was uh, Mooney. Who the fuck is Mooney? is the guy who is hurting us. So I don't think you can overlook any of these guys. And it really just speaks to Shanahan's ability to scheme yards for his team. So, you know, you got Jared McKinnon, you got these, these names at wide receiver. I really think the X factor is does George Kittle play or not. And if he does, is he healthy? Cause if he's not, you have to like the giants matchup on defense here because I, I just don't think that they had the offensive firepower to to hurt us at will. And I'm not going to be foolish enough to say that we have the definite advantage. And I think their left tackle, Trent Williams, old, but he's a Hall of Famer. He's great. Mike McGlinchey, as we've already said, I hope he plays terrible, but he's a good football player and he's a great guy. Lakin Tomlinson has been around for a little while. I'm not going to mistake this and say he's the guy out of Duke, but I'm pretty sure he's a solid guard and has been for, oh, no, he is, uh, 2015 round one pick out of Duke. Um, I digress. I think Ben Garland and Daniel Brunskill are two guys that we need to take advantage of with our interior pass rush. Again, as we were saying, if it's Jimmy G, we got to get in his face because I don't think he can move. Uh, Nick Mullins, I think the Giants need to apply the pressure to admittedly a solid backup, but a backup nonetheless. I don't know. I think you're overlooking Jordan Reed as well. Sorry. I'm oh, yeah. No, I was actually going to bring that up too. Jordan Reed, uh, you know, I feel like he plays kind of well against us when he was seven on. catches, 50 yards, and two touchdowns last week against the Jets. Yeah. Well, he was, on the, Reds, the he was on the Washington team, right? He's on the, the Washington, what what are they called? No, what's the name? Horskins. Horskins, there they are. No, dude, he's an athletic tight end, but he's always hurt. Like, yeah, he the is. list of injuries and concussions this guy has is, like, absurd. Like, he's just never on the field. It's honestly crazy that he's still playing with how many concussions he's had. I think he's over six registered in the NFL, and he's only been in the league six seasons. Like, it's insane. That's, but no. I am going to stick to my guns and say if there is nothing else that this team has figured out, the Giants have finally figured out how to not be just absolutely abused every single week by the tight end position. Uh, we've done a, the Giants have done a great job the last two weeks in shutting down tight ends. Now, no all pros or anything, you know, George Kittle will be a different animal, but if you're asking me is a Hertz George Kittle and a Jordan Reed going to scare me as a Giants fan, I, I I don't think I think we've overcome that challenge. Now I could be eating those words, but if that's the matchup that the Giants lose on, well, fuck me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. George Kittle's a tough matchup. Great blocker, great receiver. Guys, an all-around stud. Just got paid deservedly so. Uh. Yeah, man. I don't know. I, you look at this offensive line and, the yeah, the tackles, but the interior offensive line, I feel like, could possibly get manhandled by the Giants' interior defensive line. 
I hope that's I love, the case. I would love to see that. Would love it. You know, I need Sexy a big Dexy causing mayhem yeah, all I, day. I need a huge game from Tomlinson, Hill, and Leonard Williams, of course. The Tomlinson brothers going against each other. Lakin versus Dalvin, no relation. Oh, uh, I thought they actually were related. Oh, I, I, I actually really? had no idea. Yeah, they're probably not. That's a low-key diehard reference for you. This is Agent Johnson and Special Agent Johnson. No relation. Um, okay. Oh, McLean. You've done it again. Got a breakfast lunch you did it, don't you? <laughs> you well, do. yippee so do do we favor our defense versus their offense okay, now? Well, Let's yeah, pose that question. On the line, boys. What do you what do you got? <sighs> you know what, Fuck I feel great about this defense right now. I know it's early, and I know we went up against Mitch Trubisky and uh, a rusty Big Ben, but, I mean, they're in some pretty crazy company right now with the defense. 11th in points allowed, 4th in yards allowed. Like, I'm kind of liking those numbers. And one number I'm going to bring up that I haven't heard much about that needs to be said is the Giants have surrendered just seven penalties for 45 yards this season in two games when the team like the Saints gave up triple that in one night. Think about mm-hmm. that discipline. When did you? When's the last time you saw that kind of shit on the Giants? That's Joe. Joe they lead right the there. league. No they nonsense. lead the league in fewest penalty yards surrendered, which is unbelievable right now. If that doesn't, if that's not a positive, optimistic trend, I don't know what is. The Saints also uh, caught a hand in the game. The Raiders last night with that late penalty. I think it was Janoris Jenkins had a pass interference oh, call that got them into that's field goal too range, bad. and Carlson hit the field goal. But yeah, they had uh, they've had a hundred yards each game, and that is a Super Bowl contender right there. So, what does that mean for the Giants? That's we're zero and two. I mean that's 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 playing dirty. I mean not saying that they're like well obviously they have the history with that bounty shit. But uh I'm just saying you know it's you're not playing clean. That's you're giving up a touchdown a game in penalties. How do you how are you going to win football games? I know the Giants record is 0 and 2, but you know they had it like if Daniel Jones makes that pass we're having totally different conversations right now. And that's one play the last play of the game. How many, like, and, even just to and see it was the, offensive pass interference. And we, yeah. Well, we have a right tackle <laughs> catching a first down away from having two more minutes to pull that comeback. No, it's just, it, dude, I don't know what it is, but the Giants literally invent ways to lose. There's just, like, <laughs> it's, it's laughable. Like, when that happened, I, I started laughing because I couldn't believe it. All right, so what are you going? Are you going uh, advantage Giants <laughs> off or a Giants? Oh, yeah, that was, that was a monster digression. I apologize. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say I like I liked the Giants defense versus this offense. I really do. Burger? I do agree with the Disciple just because this defense, it's, they're playing hard, man. They uh, they look like a different driven defense than I just, the past. I just need it. I need Ballantyne to get his head out of his ass, and I oh, never want to see Nate Ebner on the field on defense. Stick to special teams. <laughs> There's dude, no reason to have him out there. Snap. One snap on defense 
for the greatest defensive mastermind in the NFL. And Joe Judge and Patrick Graham, as much as I really do enjoy what they're doing, think they're reinventing the wheel. By That's, per- yeah. He was, it's he was a, little a pass fucking rusher. Foolish. He was playing a down lineman. The dude's a 30-year-old, like, a special teamer. I, don't, don't fucking get me started with that. It's, yeah, it's just, there's no reason for that. Like, if, you know, if a safety got hurt and that that's what it had to be, then so be it. But, you know, there's no reason for that. Keep him. He's a captain on special teams for a reason. Keep him there. You know, you rarely saw Cody Cora catching passes. It's the same shit. Mac, what is your uh, take here? So I really want to take the opposite of you guys, just given how depressed I was last week. But you factor in the injuries with the fact that we shut out the Bears in the second half. James Bradbury is playing out of his goddamn mind. He might be an all pro, dude. Like he's playing that good. It's two weeks in, but yeah, he's playing like he's it. he's leading the race right now. I mean, Blake Martinez is all around the ball. Kyle Kyle Fackrell got a sack. I mean, our young guys on the defensive line are are playing well. I think the you know our our weakest link is those extra guys in the secondary. I, I really don't. I, Hey, look, he's a six-round draft pick. It's only a second year out of a D2 school. Maybe we had overinflated expectations of an athletic guy in Corey Ballantyne. I don't think he sees the field next week. I think Isaac Yadam is going to get the start, oh. and we're moving on with a combination of him Damn. and um, and uh, why, why can't I – Logan Ryan. Darnay Holmes. Uh, Darnay Holmes, Logan Ryan, Yadam. I, no, I think Darnay Holmes is going to lock down that – the uh, Was it Dante Pettis was the slot for them? Yeah, he's been playing well there uh, for the Giants. I think Yadam is going to get the opportunity. Just Ballantyne has been, to your point, his head has been in his ass. I don't think we don't have the plunger to get it out of There's that really ass. no reason why uh, that Mooney touchdown should have been allowed after Trubisky was, like, you know, picking daisies back uh, there. Yeah. So, running back and forth. Yeah, it's... It, it, as much as it pains me to say it, and I'm sure I'll be singing a different tune next week, I really do think the Giants' defense has a slight edge here. Uh, you know, Shanahan can scheme his way out of anything, but he is losing talent left and right. And if we put the pressure on them to not just be a run-dominant team and just suck the, the time of possession out of this game, if we can actually be consistent on offense to sustain drives, I would be really interested to see a Nick Mullins or a – hurt Jimmy Garoppolo have to play catch up when they had this many injuries against the Giants. So I guess we're all feeling optimistic. This is going to bite us in the ass, but speaking of which let's get into what the F would that look like. And for those of you joining us, what the F would that look like is our segment where each week we posit a hypothetical and discuss what the F the world would look like if that were to come true. They say it is always darkest before dawn, and never has the outlook for the Giants' season been as dark as an 0-2 start after losing the soul of the team, Saquon Barkley, in a must-win Week 3 matchup. What the fuck would it look like if Daniel Jones and the Giants' offense step up to the challenge and do not commit a single turnover this Sunday? What the fuck would it look like, boys? I we think, managed to have four turnovers in two games. I think it looks like a lot more scoring. I'll give you that. I think if that happens, the Giants are scoring 25 to 28, but I can't be optimistic about that. I'm not sure. I mean, it would look like a miracle at this rate. That 
took the words right out of my mouth. I really like the things that we've seen from Daniel Jones. I was really on a ledge the other week. I'm really nervous that in four years we're going to be saying, man, Daniel Jones would be really good as long as he could just figure out the turnover issues. <laughs> the I, I'm really nervous about that. Yeah, no, he's still – listen, he's still in his first season technically. He's only started 14 games. Ah, he was light that. years. Second season. Yeah. Okay, all right, all right. But, I'm just saying, I mean, you look at what Eli Manning was in his first two years, and it's hard for me to yeah, go that far back. Yeah. He is light years ahead of where he was then. We need they called him adopted, guys. man. Jesus Christ, they called him adopted. Did I ever tell you the story of when I was in the stands? It's for another day. Never mind. No, forget, fuck it. Give it to me. So, all right, this drunk guy was, like, rocking back and forth. This is 2007, before he won, right? This is I forgot what game I was at. This is, like, this 40-year-old drunk man rocking back and forth. He's like, I love the Giants, but I hate that Eli Manning, that cocksucker. And he kept saying that, Eli, that cocksucker. And I'll never forget that. So it became an inside joke between me and my buddy. <laughs> and that man was proven wrong. And I oh hope- yes he was and I was getting annoyed I, I was about to stick up but I, I I was only 13 years old like I'm not about to talk to a grown ass man in the you aren't the mountain you are now of old giant oh, stadium section 319 baby I'll never forget <laughs> so returning back while I admittedly relevant all I'm gonna say is yes it would be a miracle if we don't turn the ball over and that's really all I'm gonna say that that's what it would be there has been nothing that has shown to us that be it Daniel Jones or otherwise that this team can hold on to the ball. If we are able to do that. So more likely what the F would it look like a miracle in which the giants are winning this football game. I'll go ahead and say it. If the New York football giants do not turn the ball over a single time, I think that means we're winning the time of possession. And while with all of the injuries, the 49ers have, I think that's their key to this game. They have to run the ball and control the rock and make our defense tired. If they are unable to do that, we are not turning the ball over and sustaining drives. The New York football giants have to be in a position to win that game in the fourth quarter. That's what I'm going to say. Oh, it's like you took the words right out of my mouth. Well, yeah. I, I think first. you also, <laughs> yeah, I know. God, you guys are stealing words. Uh, I think you also failed to mention then the offensive line are absolutely doing their job. And we are, like you said, controlling possession. Then we're probably running and passing the ball at will. Uh, our defense is probably doing their job. And I bet you will get over 28 points if this is that scenario comes true. Big if. Big if. Big if. You, you might be able to say uh, huge. Four down territory. When you know the game is on the line and you're going for it, these are your top four takes. Tonight, it's the four most pivotal matchups in week three versus the 49ers. All right, the burger's going with his first down. Let's talk about both team versus MetLife's turf. Uh, I couldn't imagine the displeasure the 49ers must be experiencing having to return to MetLife and playing there two weeks in a row and losing countless players. Um, but, yeah, like Disciple uh, harped on earlier, the Giants didn't seem much of an issue with it. Um, let's keep moving. So, for my second down matchup, we have Giants right guard Kevin Zeitler versus rookie DT Javon Kinlaw. Now, Kevin Zeitler ha- is probably, on paper, the most solid offensive lineman, has played average to below average so far this year. So... You know, 
Obviously, Kinlaw is a rookie. This is probably his first start, if I'm not mistaken. He's probably been rotated in a bit. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see what a, a blue chip a DT prospect going up against a uh, veteran 31-year-old Kevin Zeitler might look like on Sunday. Max third down is Danny Dimes versus big old surprise turnovers. Look, I know we just talked about it and what the F, but I'm doubling down because really, despite all the positives, I said it earlier, I really, I think he is rapidly becoming Jameis Winston. An unquestionably talented player that can come in and win you a game, but also inexplicably continues to make dumb decisions and turn the ball over. So I'm very nervous for that reality, and I need to eventually see some positive signs that that is not going to be his future. And let's face it, there are very few teams in the NFL that you can say that the Giants have more talent on their roster right now going, you know, depth chart to depth chart. We are not winning games when we are giving those teams more chances than we have. It's 23 turnovers and 12 starts as a rookie and four turnovers for the first two games of his second NFL season. Danny Dimes versus turnovers. That is my third down take. And I think the biggest matchup in this game. Burger's going to wrap it up on fourth down with George Kittle versus so it's funny. I wrote insert player here because the three of us cannot conclude. Is it just Blake Martinez, Devontae Downs, Julian Love, or Logan Ryan that have been guarding tight ends all season? But let me start by saying whatever Patrick Graham has been doing to tight ends has been working so far. Eric Ebron, Vance McDonald in week one had two catches for 21 yards combined. Week two, Jimmy Graham, Cole, Komet combined. Two catches, 30 yards. So this week might be a different story. Uh, George Kittle is an elite tight end. Uh, he loves to fight in the trenches, is even more dangerous in the passing game. Um, even if he plays at 75, 75%, I'm curious to see how the Giants handle him. But let's give kudos to this Giants defense for being stingy in coverage on tight end so far in the passing game. Uh, small sample size for the Giants, are second in the league in surrendering 188 yards per game. So, Patrick Graham, keep doing your thing, man. That was this week's Four Down Territory, and we're going to roll right into huge predictions. Each week, your Big Blue All Year panel offers our huge predictions for the upcoming Giants game. This week's edition of Huge Predictions is still not brought to you by Facillo Automotive, but we are very much working on it. Please, 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 if anybody knows their VP of marketing, please hit us up on Twitter at Big Blue All Year. All right, I'm going to kick it off for my huge prediction. I'm going to say. Jabril Peppers is finally going to break free on special teams on a punt return and take one to the house for seven points. Can't wait to see it. The burger's huge sizzling prediction is that Jimmy G is rolled out and Nick Mullins is in line to start Sunday. So the Giants defense will pick him off three times. Count it three. Boom. Book it. Mac, what do you got, you stupid bitch? (laughs) Max, huge prediction is that the Giants figure out their run game in the absence of Saquon Barkley, no longer getting cute and pounding the rock down the middle, exceeding 200 yards rushing against a depleted 49ers defense. 
All right. If you haven't figured it out by now, folks, we are possessed by the spirits that reside in 1925 Giants Drive. But hey, even they make mistakes. So let's exercise tonight's demons with the shaman. I'm going to keep my segment a bit short today, fellas, but my bone to pick with you was pretty heavy. How do you sign with the 49ers? This is a Giants podcast. It's called the Big Blue All Year. The turf is fine. The Giants said it was fine. The Jets said it was fine. The NFL's independent inspectors said it was fine. But you guys say it's not? Coming up now, we have more Big Mac. Unfortunately, due to the events of week two in the NFL, we got to bring Big Mac back. And that leads us to another edition of the football games. Catching injuries. May the odds be ever in your favor. All right, Big Mac, talk to me about turf toe. Shepard, you saw him try to come back into the game and just couldn't cut it. He's reportedly out and could miss some time. What the hell is turf toe? Turf toe is a sprain of the ligaments of the great toe. Um, it's, it's a significant injury. You have to be able to push off that foot. And it sounds strange, but a turf toe can take you out for a season and also end a career. Calvin Hill, late of the Cowboys, was a prime example of this. So it depends on the severity of it. But if you're a, uh, a receiver, it's very difficult to come back and be explosive again. Now, is this just a matter of toughness? Because I, is plantar fasciitis the same as turf toe? And why was someone like Eli Manning able to grit this out and come back, I believe, in 2007 when everybody said he was going to be missing multiple weeks? No, it's not a matter of toughness at all. If you have turf toe, there's no way you can explode and push off. If you're a quarterback, Eli was never known for his quickness. You can get by with a shot and going back and passing the ball when you have plantar fasciitis. Turf toe is much worse than plantar fasciitis. So give me some optimism, at least. What, what is the earliest, not knowing the severity of the injury, but knowing these types of injuries, when is the earliest you think that Sterling Shepard could be back this season? And short of a season-ending career, or excuse me, a career-ending injury, what is the ceiling, if you will, on a recovery like this? If it's a significant injury and a sprain of that the ligament surrounding the great toe, he's out for six weeks. If it's just something minor, you know, where a few fibers were torn, he could be back within a couple of weeks. All right, Big Blue all year. This is obviously the news we're all here to get. So, Big Mac, please tell me you've been working on your bedside manner. ACL injury, Saquon Barkley, let me have it. ACL injuries are all too common in the NFL and throughout the sports world. They've gotten much better than when they first were repairing them back in the early 70s. Um, it's a significant ligament. It's huge. It twists and turns on itself. It has different tensions in different bends of the knee. 
for a doctor to replicate that with either a part of the uh, athlete's own body or a replacement cadaver, it's very difficult to do. They've gotten better, but I still haven't seen very many athletes at skilled positions like running back return to the same level of ability. It'll take a full year for recovery, and let's hope he's young enough to recover fully. But still, he may not be the same Saquon that he was before the injury. For those of us looking for optimism and can point to another athletic freak like Adrian Peterson, who came back and had that amazing year in you know nine months after ACL recovery, what would we need to see from Barkley to have that kind of optimism about his return to form for the next year with the New York Giants? Well, a couple other points to make is, was it just a pure ACL injury? Did he injure a meniscus with it? Did he injure the articular cartilage? Was another ligament was injured? It depends on the severity of the injury. And again, he's younger than Adrian Peterson when he hurt his knee. But Adrian Peterson, I still don't think, was the same runner he was before that ACL injury. And last point, just some medical information. Now, keeping in mind that this is not a visual medium, I feel like as sports fans, we hear ACL, we hear MCL, PCL, you know, meniscus, cartilage, you know, sprains, tears, all sometimes used seemingly as the same thing by maybe non-medical NFL reporters. Can you give us a brief breakdown? Why is the ACL such a more significant injury than some of these others? And is it a full tear or is there just not enough information out there just yet? I don't think there's anything as a partial tear of the ACL. If you tear the ACL, it's either shredded or it's stretched out in such a way that is no longer a functional ligament. Whereas the MCL is a ligament that can repair itself. It's on the outside or inside of the knee, the lateral collateral ligament, the medial collateral ligament. These can repair themselves without surgical intervention. The ACL is a much more important stabilizer of the knee. Thanks for that, Big Mac. We're all crossing our fingers and saying our prayers for Barkley, both personally and professionally. Love to see him come back. And to your point, hopefully he is young enough that we see him return to form and finish out a great career with the Giants. But in the meantime, thanks for joining us. That was the football games. Catching injuries. May the odds be ever in your favor. All right, all you dreamers and creamers. Let's end tonight with the fact that the 49ers just simply aren't aware. The Giants are young. They're aggressive. They're improving. New York football. Giants. Ah! God, I love that. For Burger, the Disciple, and the Shaman, I'm Mac. We're Big Blue all year. Good night.